Do you know what time it is? It's time for the Workforce Show, where you will learn the latest news about employment trends, current opportunities, and innovative strategies for managing a career on WERA 96.7 FM. This is Victor DeLeon. Thank you all for tuning in. Today's guest is Miss Joanna Harvey, owner, CEO of Loris Digital. And today, Joanna, we'll be digging in into your career, how you got there, how your education helped you get there, and then I'll ask you some other questions related to, to STEM, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. So, Thank you for being here, Joanna. Yeah, thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to dive right in because I have a million questions based on your bio and CV. And I just okay, I want to start off with MTV. You worked at MTV, which I think is pretty rad. That's right. So um, during the first year in college, I did an internship at MTV. I was very keen on doing TV and broadcasting. After graduating and moving back to Los Angeles, There was an opportunity at MTV News Online, but given that I had had the opportunity to intern there, they decided to offer me the job. Awesome. And so I'm curious, how how did you find this internship opportunity and how did you go about that? Was it the first thing like at first at at first ask that it was yours or how did you how did that walk me through that? I found it by searching for people who worked at MTV online. And I was a bit incessant about calling the producer there who was hiring, and she took a chance and gave me the opportunity. The, the reason I, I, I asked that specifically is because in, in some of the conversations I've had with other, other people and when I've gone to speak, for example, at colleges or at uh, high schools, internships are a pathway. They're a way to get into maybe not just an industry or a sector, but also just to, for the individual to figure out, is this what I want to do? Because you, you might you know, be convinced that you want to be, for example, an MTV producer. And then you start going to school for that and you start getting certified and trained and so forth. And then you go do the job and it's not quite what you thought it was. And so in this case, this internship was something that you sought out, something you were interested in. It was highly targeted and you got it. And then eventually they hired you. That's exactly right. And I was at first aiming to do television broadcasting. But then about five years later, um, when I went to interview Owen Leinbach, he was the person who was heading up MTV News Online for Los Angeles. And he said, look, if you'd like a job 10 to 15 years from now, you'd like to stick with us. And I, you know, at the time I was thinking that news online would be a bit dorky or a bit geeky. And it was actually the best advice I had received for somebody starting a career was to stay online. This was in 2008, 2007, right? That's right. Because you graduated from UCLA in 2005 and then took off from there. Is that right? That's right. Awesome. Uh, well, from there, you, you did a bunch of other things from starting your own business to working for a couple of movie Film houses, is that right? That's right. There was a film distribution company, Alliance Films, out in Toronto, and I'd been working for them. Or they were a client of mine, actually. I was working at a media agency, but yeah. 
Alliance Films. So MTV, movie studios, UCLA, and remind me again, and I read this in your your CV, but what did you get at UCLA? What was your degree there? I graduated with an economics degree. So an economist is working at MTV and then at a movie house. How, how does that happen? So I think growing up in Los Angeles, you're in the hub of entertainment, but then graduating with an economics degree, there is a lot of math involved. And for digital um, media campaigns, there are analytics involved. And so while it all seems a bit disparate, those dots do connect somehow in my travels and in my interests. You just hit on two of the four letters in the acronym STEM. You, you just touched on mathematics and technology. And those are two of the things that you incorporate into your business, Loris Digital. And tell me a little bit about Loris Digital. So Loris Digital is a digital media consulting firm. We've had several clients that have run for office, NGOs, and currently we're doing... NGOs are non-governmental organizations, right? That's right. Okay, good. Currently, we're doing some work that pertains to the U.S. Census coming up here in 2020, so be sure to fill that out, (laughs) and some other clients. Excellent. Did you know when you were in school, when you were at UCLA and you're studying economics, did you know what you wanted to do? Did you have a clear vision where that was going to go or where you wanted to go with that? Not the clearest vision. (laughs) So um, during my time at UCLA, I actually was hoping to do business, but the business economics program was a bit impacted and it was actually easier for me to transfer into economics. So that was, the interest in business was always there. And I suppose the sense of me always um, being an entrepreneur was there as well. But I don't know that any entrepreneur from the onset quite knows what they're getting into when they decide to take that leap. And if you could sum it up in a few words. What goals have you achieved currently in your professional career? And what goals are you still working and striving towards? A goal that I have accomplished, you know, was to be in business by myself for over five years. A five-year mark seems to be something where it kind of starts to, how to say this, well, it can be very critical, you know, whether you're you're making ends meet, if uh, you're producing, if you're acquiring new clients, if you're growing, if you're scaling. Um, I would say that would happen at the six month or year mark. But if you can go on, you know, past the five year mark, I think that is that's great. And you're now coming up on what, seven? That's right. Seven and, years. Yeah. And it's true, especially when you're going after new clients or you're presenting it's nice to have a portfolio of different clients that you've worked with. And so, yeah, I'm actually pretty proud of the fact that I've been able to sustain myself and this company for that long. But goals that I would be interested in obtaining. So there is a sense of, you know, needing to acquire financing in order to scale. And what would I need to scale for to get, you know, new employees, take on more projects, bigger projects, just to do more that's something else that I would like to do, I would say, here in the near future. From our previous conversation that we had, you you mentioned that you were able to obtain some of these skills and to do that through the certificate that you got at Stanford. It was an entrepreneurship program. You graduated from that in 2016. And has that been helpful to you in working towards those those other goals? Yes. So... It is the Stanford Latino Executive Initiative, and that program 
was fantastic in putting me in an environment with a lot of kind of familiar, how to say this, people with similar experiences. Although as an entrepreneur, you do feel a bit like an ugly duckling. It's like, where are these people who are experiencing the same stripes. You sort of have a bit of an imposter syndrome when you're doing this. So it was great to be in a room full of super successful, super intelligent entrepreneurs that had the same feelings. This one guy I was sitting next to, he had been in business for 25 years, has 125 employees. And he said, I still feel this way. I still feel like, how am I going to make the next three you know, pay rounds? Or I've heard somebody say that, Yep, I've got three months and then better find more clients. So that that was a fantastic program. And it was talking about how to scale your business and the importance of acquiring financing. It was a fantastic program and one that I took to heart. And I'm sort of, you know, trying to position myself to make that next move up. Excellent. You said something just now that I have a question about imposter syndrome. What's that? So this imposter syndrome is when you're occupying a space or a position, you're around people that you think are, you know, fantastic, elite. They've kind of made it. And you're thinking, what is it that I'm doing here? What am I doing here? Actually, on day one, one of the founders of the program said, you all may be feeling this. You all may be having a sense of imposter syndrome. You're sitting here at Stanford. You're among some very elite and accomplished entrepreneurs, and you all deserve to be here. And that was such a an overwhelming and heartwarming thing, and it did kind of give me a moment to breathe a sigh of relief because uh, – yeah, I suppose you, you know, one is a bit self-conscious when trying to move forward. So now you're the CEO owner of Loris Digital. You've had clients from all over the U.S., both political, non-political, non-governmental organizations. You currently have a contract with the census and you're helping them in their digital strategy and, and so forth. So why do you think entrepreneurship in STEM is important, and in and, and specifically STEM because, again, you, you're in technology, you're using mathematics, economics, and, and so forth, all incorporated into this. So if why do you think entrepreneurship in STEM is good? There will always be the need for technological jobs. There will be more of those coming. And so as far as being an entrepreneur in that space, you are offering the jobs of the future. You are creating those jobs for folks for the positions that are going to arrive. You are helping train people up. You are helping them with their human capital. So anytime that I have an opportunity to hire someone or even train them, I'm terribly happy to do that because I know that this is positioning them for other greater opportunities in the future. Like the guy at MTV when he said digital news and he thought it was kind of dorky and, and just not cool. And he's like, stick with us, kid. Like we're we're going somewhere. And and look look at look at where digital media is now, right? Not just in the news, but entertainment and so forth. It's Absolutely. And in terms of the pie chart of media dollars spent to reach consumers, digital is now number two to television, which is kind of incredible when you think about the medium not even existing. And before it used to be print, it used to be radio, out of home billboards. And now 
second to television, digital media is how, you know, people running for office are reaching voters, how companies are reaching consumers. It's really exciting to be able to work in that field. I'm definitely in that demographic. I don't own a TV, so I don't watch TV. I don't I don't consume information through TV. I don't own a car, so I don't listen to radio. I, I can't tell the last time I, I, I heard a radio commercial or something, but I listen to podcasts. I listen to, you know, stuff on the digital, you know, streaming, you know, the news and so forth on my phone, on my laptop and so forth. So, yeah, it's definitely it's it's the way to go. So Loris Digital should be blowing up, uh, if not already, just much, much bigger. Knowing what you know now, is there anything you would do differently uh, this is a, a multi-part question. So is there anything you would do differently like in high school or college as far as classes, knowing what you you know now and the line of work that you're in, you know, being a, a STEM entrepreneur and so forth? And what would you tell a high school student or a college student if they're curious about this, how, how you got to your success and, and what shortfalls or pitfalls did you uh, encounter? I suppose in hindsight, it would have been advantageous for me to have taken some coding classes earlier on. Coding classes didn't exist in my high school. I don't even know that coding existed when I was going to high school. No, but I would highly recommend, and I feel like this is already being rolled out into many of the public and private education institutions, for kids to start to take coding classes. And that that goes across the board for both young men and women. So that's what I would do in terms of advising someone on the technology front, just because it's good to be able to control how you're going to put your idea out online. As far as entrepreneurship goes, I would definitely suggest, let me put it this way, if you have an idea and a vision about what you want to execute, you're going to move forward with it and maybe go through the school of hard knocks as I did. It would have been nice to have maybe stayed in a company for a few years consistently, sort of get specialized in a field, and then springboard from there with an idea of who a client or two would be. When I decided to go out on my own, I had zero clients. So to do that, there was a bit of treading water, it felt like. So maybe have a revenue stream lined up or have financing lined up so that it isn't feast or famine, but that you have money and and capital to live off of and to sustain your organization. That's a perfect segue to my next question, and that is being an entrepreneur or a successful entrepreneur is not easy. And many people fail and many others give up. A few make it through. I, I think you're one of those few. So what do you think is the most common reason or, yeah, what's the most common reason that people fail or give up in pursuing entrepreneurship? There definitely is something to say about someone's appetite for risk, first of all. I am in a position right now where I can take a bit more risk, but people may have an aversion to that if they have children, if they have a mortgage, if they have kind of a lot of things that are depending on them for one. If you don't have a clear vision as well as to the service product idea that you are trying to pitch, it can be a bit nebulous and it may fizzle out. Another reason why businesses um, and entrepreneurs maybe kind of get out of the game is because of cash flow, money. And if so, in that sense, 
to have a really, really clear sense of what is going to be your funding stream? Is it going to be a loan over time? Is it going to be bootstrap and self-funded? Manage your money well and have a plan for that because it can be that when the highs are high, you know, everything's great and you're out, you know, buying new cars or houses or whatever, but then there may be a period of famine. So rather even that out and even the spending um, with the earnings because that will fluctuate. I guess that's where some of the economics that you learned at, uh, at school helped. Maybe. Out. When did you ha- or have you had that aha moment of I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing? I'm, I'm happy. I'm content. I'm satisfied. Did you have you had that moment? Yes. I mean, when I get to take on projects that um, I feel help either an individual or another entrepreneur, or a cause that I'm really passionate about, I feel incredibly satisfied to be able to leverage these tools that I've acquired over the years from organizations and companies that spend multi-million dollars on media campaigns. And then I get to transfer that knowledge over to a small business owner and a you know an individual who's running for a local or down ballot office That's really exciting to me. That feels, I'm very, very happy to empower clients across the spectrum, but that's when I feel kind of really satisfied. That's that's really neat to to hear that because you know someone with uh with your background and and your experience you know from MTV to you know Alliance Films and and everything else you've done to be able to offer that to let's say a mayor from a small little town or a council member running for for office it's it's the same tools and skills that Coca Cola or Best Buy is utilizing, or you know, a presidential campaign is utilizing to get the word out. You're bringing that to the smaller businesses, the individuals, and so yeah, that's great that you get pleasure out of that, enjoyment out of that, because that's or satisfaction, I should say. That's that's really cool to to hear that. Yeah, thanks. I do get a lot of satisfaction out of that. Of course, the the scale to what you can do, it isn't the Cadillac version, but the know-how <laughs> is there, right? And yeah. so I definitely know how to maximize those precious marketing dollars when I'm trusted with them. All right, so we've, t- we've covered your, some of your education, how it got you here, uh, your business, how long you've had that. Is there a website that people can you know, look at more information in case they're curious as to who your clients have been or the services that you offer? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me at www.lorisdigital, L-A-U, rusdigital.com. I was looking at your resume and I see something here called Rueda de la Calle. And I I have questions about that, but tell me, what what is Rueda de la Calle? (laughs) So Rueda de la Calle is a bit of a passion project of mine. And again, in terms of leveraging technology, this was something that started out, you know, and actually I was first exposed to it in Toronto. It was a free dance event outdoors. And when I moved from Toronto here to Washington, D.C., I wanted to get engaged in the dance community again. I started taking some classes, but didn't have the opportunity to do free dancing, which after a $150 investment in a Bluetooth speaker, I was able to host my own. From purchasing the speaker, I started a Facebook page invited a couple friends from the studio, 
And slowly over time, we've grown this community to over 2,100 folks on the fan page. And uh, again, leveraging a little bit of the marketing know-how to build up that group and let it, you know, let folks know that we're out there and we're hosting events around the district. So you use STEM for your professional business. You use STEM for your hobbies. And now you've exploded this um, this dance community of uh, casino, which is, if, correct me if I'm wrong, it's a, a specific type of salsa dancing within like a Cuban community or something like that, right? That's exactly right. Okay. And so now you have Rueda Calle and you use all the social media uh, technology that you've acquired and use for your clients and so forth. And you offer these free dance events all over the city, right? That's exactly right. That's really cool. And you uh, you get enjoyment out of that. People come to your events. And I, I think that's, that's really how you're able to kind of tie in uh, what you do as a passion for you know, to sustain your livelihood and, and, and so forth. And then also carry it over into your other passion. That's your hobbies and, and just extracurricular activities. And people are still benefiting from it. And this is free. This is at no cost. There are some other events that are similar, but there's a fee associated, whereas this one is completely free. That's exactly right. So we have, I would say, I tried to do it every three to four months. Folks in the community offer donations to help pay for the permits, the Uber rides to get, you know, (laughs) this equipment from point A to point B. But it's often the case that the silversmith eats with wooden spoons. So I can't say that I put all my heart and soul into the marketing part of it. Um, But for the passion project piece of this, I definitely do put my heart into offering folks an opportunity to kind of unplug from the day-to-day rigors and you know for the the folks living here in the district or in DMV it's high achieving high pursuit very career driven oriented folks but you know every couple of weeks I offer people an opportunity to kind of disconnect from that and just sort of be the star of their own show in front of the Lincoln Memorial or in front of anywhere the the Potomac. Uh, I saw River. something like DuPont Circle. That's right. So where, where can people get more information on that? So you can go to ruedadelacalle.com, R-U-E-D-A-D-E-L-A-C-A-L-L-E.com. Mm-hmm. And that's on Facebook or is that a website? or? Yep. So that's a vanity URL that redirects to a Facebook page. All right, so um, I know we're we're coming close to to our time, so I just have a few questions for you, rapid fire. That w- I did not prepare you for this. So, favorite food? Oh, I love barbecue beef ribs. Nice. Favorite color? Red. Worst sound? Ooh, gum smacking maybe. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, I, I I don't like that sound. It's super annoying. Mm-hmm. But uh, Joanna, thank you so much for spending your time with us, sharing your 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 wealth of information on technology, on how your your professional trajectory got you to where you are now, where you want to go next, and and also providing just some helpful information for people that are interested in STEM or interested in entrepreneurship and you know owning their own business or wanting to go dance casino at Rueda de la Calle. So. Thank you again so much for for being with us. I wish you nothing but the best. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for the invitation and uh, continued success with the show. Thank you for tuning in to The Workforce Show. This interview and others can be found at WERA.FM. 
or at careercentralonline.com. Thank you for listening. Until the next time.